Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. While he's doing that, we'll pray. Um, Father, the week after Pentecost, uh, one of the great um, events on the Christian calendar every year, 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after Easter, signifying uh, back in the day in the Old Testament the giving of the law, but signifying uh, the giving of grace and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Old Testament being fulfilled in the New Testament. Old Testament, the birth of Israel as a nation. New Testament, birth of the church. And I pray that you would birth things in our hearts and lives in this place as we remember the words of Jesus and look into your word, into the Holy Scriptures, to find out what your plan for us is today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the prayer says it all, or at least it doesn't say it all. If it said it all, I'd sit down. But the, the prayer leads into uh, what the day is. Uh, if you have a Bible and you're looking on in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, uh, Jesus says these words. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, the Christ, says these words. Now, interesting that it's him saying these words because what he says is really important and you could think that he's actually talking about himself because he says this, and being assembled together with them, Jesus or he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. This is not a promise of the Father but the promise of the Father which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the question is, the question is, why is the baptism of the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father? What, what is it about this event that happened in the history of the church and also is continuing to happen what is it about this that is the promise of the Father? Now, some people might say that Jesus Christ is the promise of the Father. And if that was the case, then why is Jesus Christ himself saying, wait for the promise? And so in, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you've got these promises. We call them prophetic words. They're prophecies about things that are going to happen. And one of them is in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let me read that there for you. And it says this, Deuteronomy 18, 18. And it says, this is Moses speaking. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. And I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. This promise in the Old Testament is the things that the Jews were waiting for. They were waiting for the coming Messiah. And when John the Baptist came along, 
They said to him, are you the one that was prophesied? Are you the one that was promised? And John the Baptist said, I'm not the one that was promised, but he's coming after me who was Jesus. As a matter of fact, this promise and prophecy was so incredible that the Jews are still waiting for it. They were waiting for, they were waiting for some sort of political leader to rescue them from the Romans. And you can imagine in all the strife they are in today, where almost all the nations of the world are against them. America is still backing Israel at the moment, but maybe not for long. And the prophecies talking about how all the nation, all the nations of the world will be gathered against them in the end times. They're still looking for their Messiah because they missed Jesus. They didn't accept the way he came as a spiritual saviour to save us from our sins. They wanted somebody else and maybe they will be conned into thinking that the Antichrist, the one who comes instead of Christ, will be the one. But Moses was given this thing, this word that said, I'll raise up a, prom- a prophet just like you. But when he came, the Messiah comes and says, in one sense, he is the promise of the Father, but he says, there is another promise of the Father. And so what happens is like this. In the Old Testament, what could be better than that? They had good things. I'll get to that in a minute. They had good things. What could be better than that? And when the better comes, it says, what could be better than the best that you've got? I'll explain in a minute. The other promise is in the book of Joel, one of the minor prophets, because the prophet is shorter, not because he's not as influential. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit in those days on your young men and your young women, your older men, your older women. I will pour, pour out my spirit on you. Of course, really that's what Pentecost is about, but I'll, I'll line these scriptures up. So here we have these prophecies and promises that you know about if you've been in church for a while and they're in the Old Testament that is more than half of your Bible the Old Testament prophecies and then you've got the New Testament which is folded in different sections I'll get to that in a minute as well but in the Old Testament you've got these other promises but they're more than promises they're actually institutions the first one is uh, the tabernacle of Moses it's like a temple on wheels well it's not on wheels actually it's uh, you carry it around it's a portable temple and it was God's idea and the real temple was David's idea the first one was God's idea and God said you know you can't build a box to put me in you know I he said he said with the tabernacle that they had they used to carry everywhere he said I want to be with you I want to go where you're going. I don't want you to have to come to me where I am. I want to be with you. And the really important for understanding both Old and New Testament and understanding the day of Pentecost and understanding God's purpose for you today, that the Lord wants to be with you. As a matter of fact, most of the prophets in the Old Testament, however long their prophecy was, yea, verily and behold, thus saith the Lord, etc., yada, 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 can be summarized with these words. I, the Lord, am with you. 
And I prophesy over you this morning that God is with you. Whoever you are, if you've got a heart for God and you've got Christ in your life, he's with you. And where you go, he wants to go with you. I mean, I'm glad you came to church. It's really important to come to church, to fellowship together and to get under the word of God. And that's good, but God's intention is that he's with you. That, that doesn't mean to say you stay home next week. That, I'm not, not saying that. And if you're listening to this uh, on podcast and you are home, God bless you, particularly the number of people who are not with us this morning because they're not well. Uh, interesting, if you see behind me, and I hope it's up there, that when uh, Moses initiated the tabernacle and when Solomon initiated the temple, those institutions, both of them, were authorised and initiated with fire from heaven. Really important that if you're going to do something and it's going to have the imprimatur of God, the stamp of God on it, you want to have something that's like, how do I know it's God? Well, fire fell from heaven. And it's like, whoa, that's God. That's... As a matter of fact, the guys, there were a couple of guys that decided to go out of the camp and scratch up their own fire. It's called strange fire. And the fire came out of heaven and consumed them. Because the Lord's saying, hey, by the way, this is a holy thing. This is not a man-made thing. This is not a good idea from man, even though the, 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 the temple was like not God's best, yet he still sent fire down to say, what's happening in here is of me. And then when Jesus comes, the Messiah comes, not fire on his head, but the dove resting on his head. But on the day of Pentecost... When the church is birthed, fire, well, it was like tongues of fire resting on their heads. They all began to speak in tongues and prophesy. The Spirit of God came on them, endorsing that this was from God and not from man. But it wasn't, it wasn't just the promise. There's something more than just fire on heads. There's something more than that. What is it about this day of Pentecost that is the promise of the Father? Let me read you a couple of things from uh, the New Testament. John chapter 1 verse 14. Uh, and the word became flesh and in the, uh, the living version and tabernacled himself among us. They use this word tabernacled and dwelt to connect the Old Testament promise and prophecy with what happened in Jesus. Jesus came and dwelt among us. I'm going to do a bit of an exercise here. Uh, would this group say promise, promise, promise? We'll do it two or three times to get you in the flow. Promise. Promise, promise, fulfillment, fulfillment, promise, this side, promise, fulfillment. See, God's, God's promise was that he would tabernacle himself among us. The fulfillment is Jesus. The Old Testament, that was good. It's what we call 
a shadow of what was going to come. It's not, you know, because some people go, I wish we could go back to that. Wouldn't it be nice to go back to the tabernacle where the fire was or go back to the temple? But that was never God's original intention. It's only a shadow of what's going to come. That tabernacle is fulfilled in Jesus tabernacling himself with us. So if Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle, then what is the fulfillment of the temple? And the answer is us. Let me show you how. This is really good. So John chapter 14, verses 16 and 18, and says, Jesus says, the Messiah, the tabernacling one, says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Because you say, that's great. Tabernacle is great. Then comes the temple. Well, what could be greater than the temple? Well, Jesus is greater than, than the temple. Then what could be greater than Jesus? Well, the answer is nothing could be greater than Jesus unless Jesus says, I'm going to do something better, something better than Jesus, something that's better than Jesus without leaving Jesus, something that's better than Jesus and taking Jesus to another level. And this is what he says. This is not what I say. This is his words in John chapter 14. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he might abide with you forever, that he might abide, that he might tabernacle himself, that he might dwell in you forever. Because Jesus is saying, there's only one of me. Jesus is saying, there's one of him. But I want my spirit, it's called in the book of Corinthians, I think, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. I want me dwelling in you by him. I help an advocate, a comforter, is the words that he used. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells before Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, crucified on the cross of Calvary, dead and buried and raised again. He's only with you. He's not yet in you. He's with you, but the promise of the Father is that he would be in you. In all his fullness, the promise of the Father dwelling in you. Now, that's a pretty quick uh, theological discourse into Old and New Testament, and if you have more questions then I've answered up until this point and you want to know more, then see me afterwards and either Wednesday night or Thursday night or anywhere or any time, we'll open the scriptures with you and we'll walk you through then. This is the, uh, the purposes of God. It's unfolding revelation from glory to glory to show you how the New Testament is the Old Testament fulfilled. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you. I will give you the Holy Spirit so I can come to you in the power of the Spirit. Now, 
I grew up as an Anglican. My dad was actually Church of Ireland, but never went. Uh, well, he wasn't in Ireland when we grew up here. My mum was an Anglican and never went, and then she became a churchgoer, and then she became a born-again believer. So I grew up in a more or less uh, uh, a bit of a high church, not all the bells and, you know, the smoke and everything, but, you know, my understanding as a young person was I, I knew a bit about God the Father. I didn't know anything about Jesus. And then we got involved with a group of um, evangelical Christians who preached Jesus. And by knowing Jesus and giving my life to Christ as a young man, uh, well, as a matter of fact, I gave my life to Christ when I was 13 at a Billy Graham crusade. And he preached the gospel. And at the age of 13, I knew no theology. I knew nothing about the Bible but I knew in my heart what he was saying was true. I don't know why. I, knew. I wasn't a real smart kid. I failed English at high school. My wife's an English teacher. It's like embarrassing as that. I failed low-level English at high school when I was about 17 or something. So I gave my life to the Lord at 13, which was even more. You know, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, so to speak. But yet I knew that in hearing the gospel, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he died for me. And by believing in him, my sins would be forgiven. I knew it. And I knew at 13, I was born to serve the Lord and had no idea how to do it. And that lasted five weeks because nobody discipled me. But by the grace of God, the seed was still inside me. And when I'd met Catherine back at school, I repeated school and went back and met her. And she challenged me to put Christ first in my life. Just, just like, in a sense, is happening here is what we do. We encourage you or encourage each other. Come on, let's serve the true and living God. As Steph was saying, get to those youth camps. Janine, you know, I don't know if they take 80-year-olds or anything now, but have a crack, you know. You're booked in already. It's like, my, my life is charged with expectancy. That's a quote from a 95-year-old I heard. Um, do whatever it is you can to get to know the Lord. And so, so I got lost on my story. So when I became an evangelical and knew about Jesus, the more I knew about Jesus, the more he revealed the Father to me. That's what he promised. He says, you get to know me. If you know me, you'll know the Father. And that's exactly what happened as an evangelical. And then I got hungrier and hungrier for God. And then I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I'm talking to you about now. And I get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, he said, the Holy Spirit will take that which I have spoken to you and apply to you and by knowing the Holy Spirit, I know more about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit doesn't detract from Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ according to the words that Jesus himself spoke to us in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. This is what Corinthians six nineteen says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have for God, from God, and you are not your own. 
I don't want to talk to you seriously this morning. I want to talk to you personally. I want to give you a key. The key to success as a Christian life is this. The key is, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And through Jesus, about the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Christians, and I've been a Christian, Catherine and I have been serving the Lord for over 50 years, and I've seen people you know, succeed or fail as believers, but if you get your eyes off him and put them on you, if it's about you, what about me? What about me? In one sense, it's about you because God wants to bless you, but he's not going to bless you by concentrating on yourself because some of you have proven that that is true. It doesn't work, just, you know. The song is... Um, it's all about you, Jesus. It's, it, the song doesn't go, it's all about me, Jesus. You know, because sometimes it's all about me, Jesus. It's not the song. It doesn't work. And when I do that, uh, my son Andrew goes, oh, don't get him to sing again. He's not. He's, the moment has passed. The moment, no, he's going like this. It's like, no singing. I sing all the time to myself. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives within us. So this is when Jesus comes to be talking about the promise of the Father. And so the Bible is – the Bible is – and my notes are everywhere. The Bible is broken into half, Old Testament, New Testament, and then the first four books of the New Testament – is the life and work of Jesus Christ. And then we get to the fifth book of the New Testament and we get to the book that is misnamed the Acts of the Apostles because it's actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it starts by Jesus saying, don't do anything. The church is birthed on the day of Pentecost. He says, don't do anything until you are clothed with power from on high until you endured with power from on high. And so they're waiting in the upper room and on the day of Pentecost, it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when the 50th day after the Passover had fully come, they're waiting and all of a sudden there's the sound of a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire sat upon their heads and they began to prophesy. It was so crazy in one sense that people thought they were drunk. And it was like, what had happened? This is something supernatural. And so Peter, who had denied the Lord three times and had been restored to the Lord, gets up in the power of the Spirit. I don't know if you picked that up. The guy that had denied the Lord, the guy that was as weak as water, pathetic, calling himself a disciple, stands up in the power of the Holy Spirit and begins to declare and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with power. Right there is a key for you and I. I cannot live this Christian life for it is too hard for me. You cannot live it in your own strength, but you were never meant to. Wait until the power of God comes on you from above. And so Peter preaches, and this is the response. And when all the people assembled heard this, and there was all these people heard what was going on and they came in and there were thousands of them. Peter gets up in front of thousands. 
When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? He's just told them, he's just told them, you have crucified the one who the Lord God has made both Messiah and Lord. And they went, we never knew. What, what, what can we do? And, and Peter said, this is what you are to do. This is the, can I say formula? Or this is the process or the steps? Very simple. Peter said to them, repent, which means turn around, or it actually means come home, come back. The first step is repentance. You're going your way. Peter said to them, turn around, go God's way. Repent and let every one of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. What is, what, is, what is baptism to do with this? Baptism is, is symbolic of death. Dead to self and alive to Christ. If you've never, ever been fully immersed, baptised as a believer, it's called we call adult believer's baptism, can I suggest that you talk to us about that? Really important. As, as important as getting married because it's a covenant. And uh, so that when the devil comes to you and says, you know, you belong to me, except you say, devil, I'm dead to you. I'm dead to you. I'm alive to Christ. It's really powerful for us to look back on and say, I know the day I died. Peter says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift that allows God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to live and dwell within you, that you become a temple of the Holy Spirit, not doing your own thing, but living for God. And he said, listen to this in chapter 39, for the promise is for you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God will call. If you are called of God... This is your promise. As many as are afar off. In other words, you know, far off in time. Right from that day, 2,000 years to this day, to today. Far off from Jerusalem to Samoa or New Zealand is as far as you can probably get from Jerusalem or Brisbane. Cold and grey Brisbane, this is where the promised lands in the sunshine state. Or you might say, I'm in church this morning, but I'm a little bit out of place because I'm far off from God. I'm with, happen to be with God's people today, but I'm far away from God. Then God's calling you. This is your promise. This is your promise. Can you stand to your feet? Can the musicians please come? Stand to your feet. We're going to do a bit of prayer now. This promise is not just about power. If you thought it was about the power of the Holy Spirit, no. It produces power, but it's not about the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who like the presence of God, 
Uh, it's about the presence, but no, it's not. Just about the presence of God. It's not about the fact that God is near and close. It's not about that. It's about the person of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, wants to come and dwell in us. He's not a spirit in the sense of you could bottle it. He's not that. He's a person. You can quench and grieve him through doubt and fear and other things we do. We can offend him and he backs off a little bit, doesn't leave. So he's a person. And Jesus, the Messiah, says, I want to give you the promise. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before I invite people to respond, and there's different responses this morning, perhaps there's a person here this morning that you, who were once filled with the Spirit, feel so far away from where you used to be. And in the book of Galatians, Paul says to the Galatians, Oh foolish Galatians, you who started in the Spirit now think you can continue the Christian life by doing works. And so for some of us, we think that we got away from God. I'm going to have to make myself better before I can come back. And the answer is no, you don't. Just come back. Just come back. Come as you are and say, I'm coming back. Don't come back to start it all over again. Come back to where you left it at the highest place. Because that's what he's offered to you is. He's, he says, come back to that. You don't have to jump through the hoops and, you know, do this or do that. He says, just come back. I'll accept you for where you are. I want you to look at me for a minute. I, I know you. I know you close your eyes and you are praying and that's good. And I, that's very good. And I, I love that. But I want you to look at me for a minute. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you have never repented and turned around and say, look, I want to find the way of the Lord, the path of the Lord, and God is speaking to you, and there was going to come a day that you were going to do that publicly and say, hey, I'm in, because most of the people in this room have already gone, I'm in, and done it publicly. Louis, do you remember the day you did it publicly? How old were you when you did that? Ten years old. And what did you walk to the front, give your life to the Lord? Was it a camp or what was it? Yes. And 10 years old, you responded to Jesus. We're going to have a puppet show next week. It's like if you didn't hear that on the tape, he gave his life to the Lord at his grandparents' puppet show. And, uh, and at 13, I walked to the front and my mother said to me, she said, Johnny, you don't know what you're doing. And she was right. I didn't know what I was doing in my head, but I knew in my heart that I was born to do this. And if that's you today, if that's you today and you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity publicly to just step out and say, John, you know what? I'm going to get, you could do that right now, whoever you are. Ten-year-old Louis, 
and Miranda has already and she just happens to turn up to do the worship and she's not coming to give her life to the Lord because she already has but it's not a bad sign is there somebody today that's never done that and you want to do that in this place for God to quicken you to do that and say you know I've never publicly you see the scripture says, if you publicly confess me before men, I will publicly confess you before my Father and the angels in heaven. That's why when anybody asks me nowadays, are you a Christian? I go, yes, I am unashamedly God-dependent. Because I don't want to get there. And him saying, I'm not embarrassed with you. Why were you embarrassed with me? The second thing is, and by the way, the altar is still open if you want to do that. But the second thing is you've never been baptised in water. Can you talk to us later about that? We used to have incredible baptisms. Uh, we planted a church in Armidale the year that Andrew was born, which was a long time ago. And uh, the baptisms were always great. I remember taking an Aboriginal woman down into Jumeric Dam to baptise her down the ramp. And she was nearly drowned at the age of six and she'd never been in water, never been in a bath. She'd always had a shower. She was 66 and she'd never been in water for 60 years. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor John, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for Jesus. And I went, Amen. <laughs> Don't do it for me. That's, that's really skinny. That's, you know. If you've never been baptised in water, and if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we want to pray for you, we can do that right here, right now. Right here, right now. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, let God come and touch you. We'll pray that His presence would come upon you, the promise of the Father. What, what will happen to me when I get baptized in the Spirit? Well, uh, one of the initial signs of the baptism of the Spirit, you'll get a prayer language, a language you never learned. I never spoke in tongues when I got baptised in the Spirit because I was so hungry and I'd waited so long and I was so desperate. And as a 19-year-old crying before God at night and saying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, that I never spoke in tongues when I got baptised in the Spirit. I shouted. It was like the cork had come out of the bottle. It was like... <laughs> but, you know, is it... Is it the same for everybody? No, it's not the same. If I get a piece of wire here, put it into the, the light socket here, and I say, could you hold the two ends of this? Everybody's reaction is going to be different. Some people are going to go, other people are going to go, their hair's going to stand on it, whatever. Thank you, Father. Let's worship for a minute, okay? Let's worship for a minute. Just... Um, you ever been told by somebody to get lost? Have you ever had somebody, you ever had that happen? Somebody tell you to get lost? I want you to get lost in worship. I mean, get out of yourself. Get your eyes off yourself. How good or bad you are, get your eyes on the Lord. Let's see what he'll do here today. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church 
at www.citylights.community.